It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 21st, 2020. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic. We're going to open up the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag, answer some of your questions as the Orlando Magic exit the hiatus. We'll talk a little bit about what to expect uh, when the team enters uh, the bubble and when the games start up again. We'll also talk a little bit about the team's future and some of the decisions heading our way. We'll preview the game against the LA Clippers and what to expect specifically in that game on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. So a lot to come here um, as we pick up the games, and Wednesday, of course, we'll have a recap game. Ooh, a recap episode. That's That sounds exciting. Um, but before we get to, into any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network by searching for every download podcast for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Los Angeles Clippers? Check out Lockdown Clippers. Plus, we've got great podcasts across the entire sports world. Whether it's the NBA, NFL, and uh, MLB, NHL, or college too, there's a Locked On podcast for you. Just download them wherever you download podcasts today. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. I'm in the process of uh, answering your questions here uh, for the latest epi- issue, our latest edition of the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag. They'll be posted on orlandomagicdaily.com. Uh, hopefully Tuesday is my plan to post that, but... I figure now is a good time to answer some of those questions in audio form for those of you that also listen to the podcast. Um, I, I've, I've been taking in questions now pretty much for the last couple weeks to try and build a mailbag. I, I, I do like to 
uh, hear from you guys uh, every once in a while. And I picked out uh, the, kind of the three best questions here um, to discuss on the podcast. So, the big question, the one that I think most people ask me, the one that I semi-trolled people about on Twitter, at uh, OmagicDaily, on uh, on Tuesday as, or on Monday as the NBA uh, announced released the full rosters that will uh, that are eligible and ready to play for each team. Um, Wei Jiang asked me if Isaac returns, how is he going to impact the team on offense and defense? Is getting the seven seed the goal of the regular season and a rematch with Toronto? How realistic is it to expect winning for that series? And Jim James James at James Hollers asked. So, J.I. is going to play, isn't he? So, a whole bunch of questions going on there. All very central to what's going, what we're, what we're really focused on here as we get into the, re- the remaining remainder of the regular season. If you would have asked me, even with Jonathan Isaac traveling into the campus setting, if you would have asked me before, you know, this week or before last week, really, I would have told you Jonathan Isaac is not going to play. I would have said there is very little chance that Jonathan Isaac is going to play. Um, if any at all, and while the league, NBA, Magic had kept the door open, it just never seemed worth the risk. Not only has have the rest of the team not played in four months, he hasn't played in seven months now. And really, just judging by what Jeff Weltman had to say and judging uh, by just kind of where we all sensed Jonathan Isaac was at, you know, both where he was at in March, uh, and now it, it just felt like the risk wasn't worth it. Um, already you're dealing with a huge deficit where guys haven't played a lot. You're expecting and worried to death about injuries. It just never felt worth it to me to try and throw Isaac out into the mix. It, it just it, it just didn't feel right. Um, you know, just it didn't feel like the right ramp up for him. I mean, after all, while I think a lot of people expected Isaac to be back, I think I said when he got hurt, you know, late March, early April seemed to be a target for him to get back. At the point that the season ended on March 10th, Isaac had only just started traveling with the team. He was still wearing a pretty heavy knee brace, and he was only taking set shots. He wasn't jumping. He wasn't moving around. So there are all these steps that that Isaac has to go through to get ready to play, to be kind of clear, to not kind of, to be cleared to play. And it was hard envisioning him meeting every single step and then jumping into high-intensity playoff games. It just seemed like that was just all a leap too big. I will say, after listening to both um, Isaac and Cl- Steve Clifford talk uh, over the last week, um, I'm beginning to think that there is at least some chance that Isaac will play. I'm not going to put a number on it. I think that's unfair to everyone. I think that sets unrealistic expectations. But the Magic have always left the door open, and I think you know I think that door is very much open that he could return. The Magic have released practice video from their practices on social media throughout the course of the last few weeks, and Isaac's popped in there a few times. In fact, one time I think they actually took it down and then took him out. Um, Steve Clifford revealed, and, and this is what really turned things for me, Steve Clifford revealed over the weekend that Isaac participated in some five-on-five activity. Some. The key here is Isaac's at the step where he's starting to make basketball movements and, and kind of play basketball. But he's at the point where he's starting to see if he can handle contact, if he can handle like kind of the rough and tumble and unpredictability that is playing a basketball game. And if he clears that point, then we're talking about him playing. Like Steve Clifford says, he likes to see guys in practice a little bit before they play, especially 
um, when they've been out for so long. And again, everyone's being ramped up. No one, everyone's kind of being managed. It's 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 no big it's no big deal. I cannot state how important I think Isaac is to having any chance against the Toronto Raptors. And again, an Isaac at this level probably isn't going to be enough to sway that series. Um, that's 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 part. That's the honest truth. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be enough to, to sway a series against the Raptors, assuming the Raptors are at some form of strength and and you know are kind are, you know aren't. You know, assuming that you know, assuming that the Raptors are the Raptors and not you know just a, a struggling to get back into shape and get back into rhythm, um, Isaac's really important. Um, you know, I, I think that this team, you know, I, I think the one thing that this team really lacks and the one thing this team is really looking for are just pure playmakers. Um, you know, you know, I, I, something that's always stuck with me about um, this team that Steve Clifford said very very early in the season when the team was really struggling offensively was. You know, we're executing and running our plays very successfully, but the struggle we're having is making a play. And really, you know, when you talk about playoff basketball, everyone knows each other so well. You're so studied into tendencies and what teams do. The difference in games is coaches adding wrinkles and, and, and you know, kind of throwing wrenches in that plan or, 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 you know, trying to devise ways to still run the stuff that they won, but disguising it or hiding it away that teams aren't prepared for. But, you know, that's that's a small part of it. The playoffs really turn on whether you have guys that can beat good offense and good defense. It turns on, you know, let's say, you know, let's say, you know, Kawhi Leonard hitting a shot over two defenders and it bouncing off the rim four or five times. I mean, that's where series turns. And and that's why the best players matter so much because they can beat those kinds of defenses. Well, this Magic team doesn't have a lot of those guys. You know, we, we like to think, and, and at this point, you know, we like to think that Markel Fultz could be a little bit of a playmaker on offense and create for others, um, you know, but is he really creating something out of nothing? That's essentially what I'm asking for. Jonathan Isaac on defense is that kind of player. He is someone, you know, you think about what Dwight Howard was when he was a defensive player, when, when he was with the Magic. He is someone that demands that you pay attention to him. That you know where he is at all times. Um, because that, you know, that is essentially, you know, a guy beats you and you have that backstop, but, you know, he's going to make defensive plays. Plays that aren't in the script. He could say on the script and make plays as part of the script. That that's That's such a huge thing. And so, you know, the reason we're all so excited about Isaac is because he has that potential to be a true difference maker. I, I've often said it this way. The Magic don't have a lot of guys who are elite at something. Jonathan Isaac is elite at something. And you can't win big in this league without guys who are elite at something. Jonathan Isaac is elite at something. So it's it's going to, you know, if the Magic were to have any hope of getting out of the first round, barring, you know, crazy injuries, barring, you know, Lack of rhythm, and, and I'm, I'm being honest and real here. If the Magic have any hope of getting out of the first round, Isaac would play a role. I mean, I think th- I would think of it this way too. The saying goes, if you have the best player in a series, you always have a chance to win. That's why the eighth seed in Magic in 2003 nearly toppled the first seed in Pistons because 
the Magic had the best player in that series in Tracy McGrady. He was, you know, all respect to Chauncey Phillips, all respect to Ben Wallace, all respect to Richard Hamilton. That Pistons team was better than the Magic. The Magic had no business taking that series of seven games. But they went up 3-1 because Tracy McGrady was the best player in that series. And that Magic team, despite their lack of talent around McGrady, they always had a chance to win because Tracy McGrady was that brilliant. You know, I, I, I think we don't give Tracy McGrady enough appreciation for how good he was those four years in Orlando, to be perfectly honest. Um, and, and everyone in Orlando loves Tracy McGrady. Um, Isaac isn't that level, don't get me wrong, but he is such a key playmaker. It, it is just so important that he is there. Obviously, the goal for the Orlando Magic is to finish seventh. Um, that that's just that's just you know honestly that's not the goal. That is the expectation. If the Magic don't finish seventh uh, and avoid any thought of a play-in series, I will consider the seeding games a disappointment. And that's even understanding that everyone is kind of in this boat of we don't know what this is going to look like. We have no clue um, whether this is going to. Uh, we have no clue how to even judge where we're at as a team uh, in this case. So I I, I want to say, you know, that the Magic, you know, are, are kind of trying to finish out where they would have this season. That's, that's the experience they want to gain. And, you know, whatever you can get from Jonathan Isaac. If Isaac can play, if he's coming off the bench for 10 minutes, those are 10 really valuable minutes and, and, and will be big for him, just kind of getting himself back in rhythm so he can have a decent offseason um, and be ready to play uh, when the time comes. So, you know, Isaac is obviously the big, big question. He's the guy that everyone is thinking and wondering about. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that if the Magic want to stun someone, if the Magic want to win something in this in this setting that no one expects, Isaac's got to be there. And, and he's got to be at least fit enough to, to make an impact um, when he does play, so that's that's kind of where I stand on Jonathan Isaac. I, I don't. I'm still skeptical he's gonna play. Don't get me wrong, but over the last week, my skepticism has lightened, and, and I'm at least I'm at least willing to to believe that the door is actually open for him to return. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I was on a, a radio station in Tucson, Arizona, earlier earlier on Monday, uh, just you know talking about the status update in Orlando, how things are going, you know, kind of issues with the bubble, and of course they asked me a little bit about Aaron Gordon and, and what his future with the team was. But that's also a question I've been asked as well. Um, Magic four oh Magic underscore four oh seven asks, "What's your take on AG in the last fifteen games? I think he better not." I think we, he better not trade him unless we get good back for good value. He's going to make Orlando look stupid. Um, first off, I, I'm an Aaron Gordon fan. Uh, I, I really do like his game. I think that he has the potential to be such a valuable player. And, and you know, I'm, 
I'm someone that that really you know tends to appreciate. I, I know I say a lot of numbers and, and and I use numbers to help help myself analytically, but I've always found that that I really like players who do the kind of grimy work that doesn't show up in the stats. I, I tend to like guys who are grinders and and can do a lot of the little things. And you know, Aaron Gordon I think is a player that on a championship level team does a lot of the little things. The parts that annoy me about Aaron Gordon, as I'm sure annoy a lot of people about Aaron Gordon, is when he tries to do a little too much, when he tries to be an all-star. And and I, and I, I think last year I described it really, really well. Even though his scoring went down, he was playing exceptionally well. He was letting the game come to him. He was kind of filling in all the gaps on the team. Um, you know, I think, I think that sometimes Gordon... Thinks he thinks you know does the stereotypical things that that a star does like try and isolate and over dribble, but what's really what when he is successful like he was all of last season and yes in those last fifteen games before the season went on hiatus, where he's really successful is when he doesn't do that when he's not thinking on the court when he's moving the ball really really quickly uh, whether attacking or moving it on to the next guy, um, he is just so. Super valuable um, is is the way I would describe. I would say it. Um, Gordon is only twenty four years old. He is still figuring out a lot of things about who he is as a player and where he fits into this league. And yes, I know he's been in the league for six seasons already. He should have a lot of this figured out. Well, that's partially true. I'm not going to deny that. Um, the Magic wasted the first three years of his development. Um, I, I hate to say it. I mean, they, you know, some of it was injuries. Um, you know, certainly he broke his foot his rookie year. That kind of slowed him down a little bit when he was still raw and, you know, very much putty in their hands. Um, you know, the, the jaw issue in, in between his rookie and his second year was a major issue. You know, Gordon's stood in his way a little bit too. And some of, you know, some of those injuries are his fault. Some of those are the, the jaw thing was definitely Gordon's fault. Um, you know, I think he's, he's matured a lot. And his game has certainly matured too as he's, you know, kind of come to understand what it means to be in the playoffs. But Obviously, this season has been a bit of a disappointment. His shooting has taken a step back. Um, you know, some of it, some of that has to do with health. He just hasn't been healthy for much of the season, um, and and his scoring just hasn't risen to the level that that we all thought it would. Um, we all believe that Gordon was due to become an All Star. That this was the kind of year that they would hand the baton to Gordon and let him be a little bit more uh, of a leader and a bigger player on the team. And and that just hasn't happened. To say though, to say the least, though. Gordon is still one of the most important players on this team. I, I think that that is abundantly clear. There is no player on this Magic roster, I think, that Steve Clifford honestly trusts more. Um, you look at the stats and you look at the numbers. Aaron Gordon last year led the team in minutes played. He led the team in minutes played this year. In the big games, in the games that matter to the Magic, Gordon is the guy that stays on the floor. Now, certainly some of that is the Magic don't have depth at the power forward position right now with Al Farouk Aminu out. I think, again, part of the reason they signed Al Farouk Aminu was to make sure they always had a versatile four on the floor at all times. They want to maintain the switching ability um, that they kind of got burned on a little bit in the playoffs last year against the Raptors. Um, whether that's the right allocation of that resource is another debate. I'm just That's just kind of the rationale that I've ascribed to the team uh, for why they went after him. But Gordon is the guy that that you know the Magic can turn to and say you're you're playing 40 tonight. Um, you know against the Brooklyn Nets that that big comeback win against the Nets, Gordon played I believe the entire second half. Um, you know Steve Clifford is not someone that breaks his rotation often, even in individual games that seem to have a lot of importance. 
He did so in that game. It paid off for them, and Gordon was a big reason why the Magic won that game. I think I mentioned it during the replay of that game on Fox Sports Florida over the weekend. Aaron Gordon probably had the defensive play of the season uh, in that block shot on Karis LeVert late in that game. That that secured the win for the for the Magic. But that's not going to change a lot of the discussion this offseason. Um, Gordon, the last 15 games, has been fantastic. Uh, leading into the All-Star break, he was really you know, really starting to come into his own. He was finally healthy. That's that's such a huge thing. He was dealing with the ankle injury. He was dealing with various issues. Um, you know, He came back too quickly from the ankle injury and was clearly bothering him um, over the course of the next few weeks. He needed some time to kind of rest and, and take, his, take a load off. I didn't think he should have done this dunk contest, but clearly he was healthy enough to do that. And clearly that health momentum carried over because he's starting to be a better playmaker and just, again, play quicker. Again, pace is so key to everything Gordon does. When he's playing and making quick decisions, when he's attacking quickly, he is better. When he's stopping, dribbling, trying to break down the defense on his own, that's when he really, really struggles. That's when he is not at his best. Defensively, Gordon is probably the most disciplined and best defender on the team. I know in the earlier segment I said Jonathan Isaac is the only guy that really makes plays. Gordon can do that a little bit too, but not at the level that Isaac can Isaac is still young. He still makes some defensive mistakes. He's able to recover a lot better because he is just a defensive freak. Gordon is the disciplined defender. He rarely makes defensive mistakes. You know, he's going to make, you know, I wouldn't say he's an elite defender by any means, but he will make opposing players work for their points. And and that's such a big thing. You know, Isaac's getting there. I think Isaac will very clearly be uh, the best defender on the team, you know, overall defender on the team very, very shortly. Uh, but Gordon is, I still think, the best defender on the team. That, though, previews the dilemma. It's not going to be a dilemma this year. And, you know, I, honestly, I still don't think we're quite there yet, which I'll explain. But it's becoming clearer that a Jonathan Isaac Aaron Gordon front court isn't going to work. Not unless one of them becomes a knockdown shooter. The spacing is going to be a problem. And Isaac is best suited to be a four with his size and his and his length and his agility. And Gordon is best suited to be a four too. Every time the Magic have tried to play him at the three and play him away from the basket, he struggles. Part of the Magic surge offensively is they've started getting Gordon in the high post, the mid post, and the low post a little bit more in the paint, having him more closer to the basket. He was able to shoot a lot more efficiently um, because he is good at, at kind of cutting, cutting inside the lane and, and giving himself opportunities inside the basket. When he's trying to dribble and break down guys off the dribble, um, at the top of the key or around the perimeter, that's where he really struggles. Um, that's that's not his game as much as perhaps he kind of wants it to be sometimes. And so there is certainly overlap between Gordon and Isaac. There's, there's no denying it. There's no avoiding it. There is overlap between those two players. And so... And so... You have to figure out a way to loosen that overlap. And frankly, the way might be to trade Gordon. Gordon is probably one of the more valuable trade assets on the team, and I agree. The Magic aren't going to be, aren't and shouldn't trade him unless they get something of real value in return, something that they really need back for him. I don't think Gordon is on the trade market to be on the trade market. I don't think there's a rush to trade him. One of the things that I suspect the Magic are thinking about is what kind of player, you know, what kind of player, and probably even name some of them, would you trade Aaron Gordon for? What is the kind of player this team needs that would make it worth giving up on a 24-year-old with star potential who has grown and, and has really blossomed in his two years under Steve Clifford? 
uh, to be frank. I, I think he is a significantly better player over the last two years. Those are big, big questions. Again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not envying this choice. I, I don't think that the Magic are, you know, are, are in, in an easy situation with a lot of these guys. Um, but I, think, I, I do think as much as I like Gordon, as much as I like Isaac, the trade, that discussion is inevitable. Um, it, it is not something that, not something that we can avoid at this point. Um, it, it's something, frankly, that's it feels likely will happen this offseason where not a lot of teams have room to move, maneuver. Um, I think there will be a team that will be willing to take him on and, and give something that the Magic want. I'm not sure what that is yet. I, I don't think I don't think that that team knows it yet. Um, but it, it's certainly a possibility. The thing, though, here, and this is, I think, the really important point, the Magic don't have to make this decision now. Gordon's got two more years left on his deal. He will become more valuable as that, as that deal expires, especially because it is a descending contract. Jonathan Isaac does not become a free agent until 2021, and there are at least hints that the duo can work together. It won't be easy. It's not foolproof, but I don't think it's impossible either. So the Magic's default position is like it was during the trade deadline when reportedly they turned down some deals involving Gordon. Their default should be we are just exploring the market, we're seeing what's out there, but we don't have to do anything. So again, there's real concern that the Magic could give up on another young player and he turned into a star somewhere else like Victor Oladipo and Tobias Harris did. And those were just very more clear-cut, you know, decisions, more clear-cut, you know, wrong decisions. And the Oladipo decision I've gone into a little bit um, uh, and why that decision made some sense, but not the deal that they eventually made and, and the moves that happened thereafter. The Magic don't have to trade Aaron Gordon, but they certainly should be listening, and I expect them to be listening and shopping a little bit. And, you know, again, that's unfortunate to say to Gordon because I think he has improved significantly, but to improve this team significantly and to help Jonathan Isaac improve, it does kind of feel like that that is something that's going to happen down the road. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I guess the last question that that I'll answer here uh, on this episode is a big one. The big one, in fact. What record will the Magic have in the seeding round? And the real question, perhaps, how many games will the Nets win? Like I said before, the Magic's goal is to finish seventh. I don't think... I don't... Honestly, if the Magic finish eighth, I will consider the seeding round a little bit of a failure. You know, maybe not a failure, but it won't be a success. The goal is to finish seventh. And that's 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 all that really matters, I think, from these final eight games. If the Magic finish a half game better than the Nets, and on top of that, with the absences the Wizards will have, no Davis Bertans, no Bradley Beal, 
and the absences the Nets will have and, and the depleted roster the Nets are, have, are having, that goal should be even more, if not prescient, should be even more clear for this team to achieve. The Magic should be the seventh seed. What kind of record is it going to take to get there is an even bigger question. But consider this too. The Orlando Magic will play the Sacramento Kings in that second seeding round game. The Kings are dealing with a ton of injuries and are down several players right now um, because of just travel uh, because of travel issues and players not clearing quarantine before they can travel. So the Magic have an opportunity. Like I said yesterday in yesterday's episode, the Magic have to start off fast. You get Brooklyn and Sacramento right off the bat. Again, no game is easy in this situation, but. Those both feel like winnable games. From there, you can put you play Indiana, which again, Indiana has been a team that the Magic feel like they should be even with, even though they've struggled with them. And before you get into the meat of your schedule with Toronto, Philadelphia, and Boston, I think most likely the Magic, you know, go three and five. Um, I think that's the most likely outcome. That's probably. Not going to be in. Uh, I, I can't. I can't really tell if uh, that that could be enough to get them seventh. Um, especially if they win both games against Brooklyn. If they win both games against Brooklyn, they are almost certain to finish seventh. Again, the Magic essentially control their own destiny for the seventh seed. The Nets have a similar schedule where they don't play. A, you know, they play the same kind of number of below five hundred teams as the Magic, including two against the Magic. Um, and a really tough middle portion of the schedule. So, you know, Orlando, it's so hard to predict and so hard to say what teams are going to look like. And, you know, you know, this team is as likely to go 5-3 and three as they are to go 0-8. I would put it that way. I think 3-5 and five would be the probably average result. 2-6 um, and six wouldn't surprise me. I'd be disappointed with 2-6. and six, But I think 3-5 and five or 4-4 four and four is the most likely outcome. If the Magic go 4-4, four four, they're going to be the seventh seed. The Magic go 3-5, and five, they're probably going to need Brooklyn to lose a game that they're not supposed to. Um... Again, but again, look at Brooklyn's roster. You know that that team could go one and seven very easily. That team could go two and six. You, you know who who really knows at this point. Um, but I, I really do think that the Magic have the opportunity to accomplish this goal. It's a very realistic goal. It's a very achievable goal. It's a goal that I I expect them to to get. And that's going to be what's at the center of everything uh, when the season resumes. When the season restarts is whether the Magic can achieve this goal, or at least center of everything for Orlando. It's not center of everything for the entire league. It's it's going to be, you know, it's going to be in their hands. It's something that they can control, and, and I think that's the biggest thing that you can ask for. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. So you can find me on Twitter at underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. We'll be back again tomorrow with a preview of the Orlando Magic's first game against the LA Clippers. So we'll finally talk about some real basketball games that we just have no clue how the team's going to play at all. So it'll be fun. Um, we'll talk about that coming up on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross from Mike. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.